0: This is germ warfare, the battle of ideas. My name is Jim. This is Jim. Germ warfare, the battle of ideas. Mark McDonald. Thank you for joining me in the trenches. <laughs> hey, sure why did you? That. Why did you make me laugh now? Before we, <laughs> before we went live. <laughs>
1: You're going to start choking on your own bourbon.
0: Oh, how's the information we're treating you?
1: Terribly, just terribly. We were just talking about Google and how it's taking over all of our suspicious eavesdropping parts of our lives. And I was listening to an interview by, is it Richard or Robert Epstein? I can't remember his first name. He's a psychologist, former editorial owner of the Psychology Today Uh, periodical in the united states and he's been now interviewed by really nationally known american news crews like you know tucker carlson and he's not a conservative he's a self-identified liberal even said on dennis prager the other day radio show that i was on 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 monday in studio here in in la That uh there's not a conservative bone in his body and he has unveiled a huge trove of information about how we're being eavesdropped on and spied on all the electronic media Particularly, Google is just tracking everything we say and do on all the apps, and that he has shut down everything that he has on Google and other, you know, Facebook Messenger, everything, and switched over to like Proton Mail and uh, specialized encrypted uh, email and uh, text messaging. It was really frightening, especially coming from someone who's a, a dyed in the Democrat. So he doesn't he, he doesn't have an axe to grind against the establishment. So I've started to feel a little more paranoid myself because. A lot of uh, our recordings and, and podcasts and mail, everything seems to be crashing and disappearing. And I don't know, maybe I'm maybe I am just paranoid, but it does seem like the, the heat and the ratchet is being turned up as we approach in the United States, the uh, midterm elections next week. And, you know, one party that wants to maintain and retain power is really going all out to, to style and crush uh, really any opposition.
0: Do you remember that song in the 90s? From Radiohead, uh Paranoid Android.
1: I know the band, but I don't know the song.
0: Oh, it was a good song. Uh they had an album, I think it was called Okay Computer, one of the best albums ever
1: made. But I need to work that up. Maybe they were well,
0: it, Yeah, well now the the fact is that I'm talking to the void because you have no idea what I'm talking about. So so that flew like a bomb. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I can imagine, though, what they said, because there were a lot of people back then that people just rolled their eyes at. Oh, this is never going to turn out this way. And I can imagine what they said, because this is where we are. And what we were being told decades ago has come to pass. Uh, you don't need to even be a literati and have read mm. Orwell's 1984 to know it. You can just be a, you know, a metalhead and have already figured it out.
0: Every single time I talk to you, Mark, I struggle to find a segue into our talking point. This one being mo- <laughs> this one being monogamy and polygamy, and there just isn't there just isn't one happening.
1: <laughs> there really isn't, is there?
0: So let me let's let's just go into it. Monogamy.
1: <laughs> well, I told you when we spoke about this issue, which I've really studied and thought about and reflected on quite a bit in the last couple of years, last three, four years probably, that before you can even discuss polygamy or monogamy, I think you need to really address a few suppositions that are, I think, truths that we just simply ignore. We don't really think about them. And and one of them that I think is the most important is that we really, as we do with (laughs) the whole transgender movement right now, we never see girls transitioning into boys to compete against boys in wrestling and swimming and weightlifting and boxing, do we? Not, not a single one. I and mean, I can't think of a single example. It's only the other direction, right? It's only boys who are mediocre athletes that wanna compete against girls. And no one wants to bring this up, but it's true. It doesn't matter what side of this, this debate you're on. It's just true. So when we talk about polygamy, we really only talk about it in the context of men there aren't women clamoring to become polygamous, it's very unusual for women to be arguing pro polygamy, but a lot of men do. And so I think that's an important point to mention. And it's not because I'm I'm siding with the male or the female sex, what I'm what I'm doing is I'm bringing up a truth, which is that men desire to have sex with multiple women, often at the same time, throughout their entire lives a man who's 94 years old, lying on his deathbed, looking up, smiling as he breathes his last breath, adoring the cleavage of the nurse who's looming over him. I mean, that's a good way to go, right? That's 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 real, that's true. That describes and encapsulates the male sexual drive. Women don't do that. So I think it's important to note the natural biological distinctions and differences between male and female sexual nature before you can have any kind of competent, informed discussion or honest discussion of polygamy and whether it's good or bad, right or wrong, versus monogamy, we have to acknowledge that men want to have sex with multiple women. Women, by and large, do not have that drive. There are exceptions, obviously. Everything I say is going to include exceptions because there's no point in in talking about really truths unless you can acknowledge that there's some exceptions. But but this generally applies to the the vast majority, if not 99% or more of the population of people who are alive today and who were alive for hundreds or thousands of years before. Women desire to be with a man. And when they're with a man, they don't really look around for other men. They don't have sexual desires for other men, they certainly don't act on them. If they do, it's very, very unusual, unless the relationship is fractured, and unless they lose the love and admiration and desire of the man that they're with, then they will go somewhere else. But men can be in love and desirous of a woman. And at the same moment, see a woman pass by who catches their eye and become immediately distracted. That's in their nature. Now, whether he goes and sleeps with her, whether he has an affair, whether he's honest about it with the woman he's with, or whether he says, let's just have a polygamous relationship, that's a whole separate subject. But the truth is, and, and I know this is painful for women to hear, but it's true. The man that you are with right now thinks about other women naked and what he wants to do to them every single day. And if you say, no, not my man, my man loves me. He would never do that. He told me that he only thinks about me. Well, guess what? He's lying. He is lying to you. And the sooner that you can accept this and acknowledge it, the sooner you can have a a fulfilling and honest and and solid relationship with the man. Men will not admit to this because they're scared that the woman will get angry and leave because the woman will interpret that as a lack of desire or love for her. It is not. It is simply the man's nature. That's the starting point for any conversation that's honest about polygamy.
0: So it's, it's the primal, foundational differences between men and women.
1: Absolutely. And, and anyone that argues against it is either hopelessly naive or is dishonest. That's it. Now, once you get beyond this and you can acknowledge it, men and women together, now you can start to have, I think, a fruitful discussion about what should be decided in a specific relationship Or overall, in terms of its sort of moral and ethical value of choosing a monogamous versus a polygamous life, because I think that there are very good arguments for both polygamy and monogamy and all to sort of jump to the very end of my thought process briefly. I think that it is by necessity, a sacrifice that one makes to choose either polygamy or monogamy. You cannot essentially have everything without paying a price. Everything that you commit to in life requires that you give up another option. So if you are to choose to maintain a monogamous relationship, there's enormous benefits to that. I'm not even mentioning, you know, religious and, and moral. I just mean relationally, there's tremendous benefits, but there's also a sacrifice to be made. And I think every woman who is with a man in a long-term relationship, whether it's you know married or not, should. Acknowledge that if this man is in the relationship in a monogamous context, he has made a sacrifice to you. By not sleeping with other women, your man has made a sacrifice, and you should honor and respect that sacrifice every day. Because the moment that you don't is the moment that he's going to stray and wander. That's another point that a lot of women will not accept, because for them, it's not a sacrifice. To stay with one man is not a sacrifice for nearly every woman alive but it is for every single man alive.
0: Boredom. Is that is that what you're alluding to?
1: Not exactly. Um, The sacrifice that is made by a man who stays with one woman is the missed opportunity to have sex with all of the infinite number of opportunities of other women that come across him throughout his life. Now, you may say, well, he doesn't have any other women to sleep with or he's not attractive or okay, fine. But the point is that if given the opportunity and there was no other constraint, just simply following need and desire, a man would sleep with as many women as he possibly can. That is not true with women. They do not have that desire. So if a man has decided to remain faithful to a woman sexually in a relationship and is not cheating on her he is by necessity making a sacrifice he is giving something up that he desires that he cherishes that he values but Mark, why
0: do why do women uh, why why do so many women actually have affairs
1: is that different well women have affairs for a different reason than men do men have affairs for primarily the reason of their wife not appreciating them and i'll just use the word wife to mean you know monogamous long term relationship. Most men do not have affairs to sleep with women who are hotter than their wife, most of them, there are some who do, but most of them don't. Most women, I'm sorry, most men, they go and have affairs starting emotionally, and then usually it develops into physical sexual relationship, because men's emotions and physical desires are, are, are just as tied together as, as many women are tied together as well. The reason why they do this is that their wives stop appreciating their efforts. So for example, a man comes home and he decides to cook for his wife and he makes her dinner. Maybe he doesn't do a great job, but he really wants to show her that he cares about her and he wants to to give her a nice evening. Maybe it's a special event. She comes home that night and she walks in and she throws her purse down from work and she says, what's that smell? Did you burn something in the kitchen? And immediately he's crestfallen. He just put in all this hours of secretly shopping and cutting up ingredients and preparing this meal. And all she does is criticize the effort. She doesn't say, oh my God, that's amazing. Thank you so much. I love you for what you did, even if it doesn't taste good. And then she does it again and again and again, little things like that. And then he goes to work the next day and this maybe mediocre looking secretary walks by and says, wow, you know, John, you did such an amazing presentation in that meeting yesterday. It was so confident. I, I was really impressed with how articulate you were. It was, I was just mesmerized just listening to you." And he thinks, wow, my wife never talks to me like that. And then he goes back to work. And then the next day she says, hey, you want to come by? And let's go have some coffee. I really want to talk to you more about like how you speak so eloquently with such masculine energy. Yeah, it sounds like a good idea. I'd love to have a woman tell me about how, how well I speak. So they go to coffee together and then she puts her hand on his hand and then he feels this <laughs> frisson of excitement and then he starts to have these thoughts of what it would be like to be with her and pretty soon they're in a hotel room after work and he's lying to his wife it's not because he went after her maybe she went after him maybe not the reason why it happened is that he did not feel that his wife appreciated him the woman that he loves does not appreciate him that's the core motivation for most affairs that good men honest men have with other women now women you asked why do women have affairs they have an affair for a very different reason the women have affairs because they fall out of love with their husband if a woman doesn't love the man she's with she's going to desire love from another man it's different than attention or appreciation. I don't even think women care too much about the appreciation side. I think they want the love. And when I say the love, what I really mean is they want the desire from their husband. They want to feel desired. And if their husband stops desiring them, then they will feel devalued. And they will end up leaving and going somewhere else. And desire is a very physical, very sensual energy that women can feel from men, they sense it sooner than even men do. They can sense men desiring them from across the room. They're trained like radar antenna to notice that. And if they don't feel it from their husband over a long period of time, they will start to receive signals from other men and they'll start to tune into that. That's the reason why most women wind up having an affair.
0: But now conversely it, it brings complications of its own multiple partners.
1: Well, this is the issue because of the, the difference in the reasons why men sleep with multiple women versus why women, maybe it would say multiple, but maybe serially will have sex with different men, even within the same relationship with one man. It's not exactly polygamy, but we're talking about just multiple partners. Because the reasons and the motivations are different, it leads to a very, very complex and difficult way to parse whether polygamy makes sense for men versus for women, because the, the, the sex connotates different things for each each party. And you can prove this by looking at not men and women, but sexual orientation. So for example, men who like to have sex with men, homosexuals, have a very high sexual partner turnover. It's It's 10 times higher, 20 times higher than it is in heterosexual men. They're both men, right? So is it a male thing? It's actually not really a male thing. It's a male sexuality thing. It's a male sexual orientation thing. And it's not present with women. And so if you compare male homosexuals with, say, lesbians, lesbians tend to have very few multiple partner relationships. They tend to be in long-term monogamous relationships. They don't, have serial partnerships, and they don't have multiple partners at a time. Because the female sexual nature, whether it is towards a woman or towards a man, is the same whether or not the woman is sleeping with a man or a woman. So there's, there's something in... The nature of the sexual drive, doesn't matter whether the object is a man or a woman, it matters if it's originating from a man or a woman that actually defines things. And this is why a lot of um, homosexual relationships don't last very long. It's it's unusual to have lifelong monogamous homosexual relationships. The ones that tend to survive long-term are open relationships or um, polygamous relationships. It's very rare to have a monogamous long-term homosexual male relationship. But it is actually quite common for lesbian women to be with the same partner for decades. Decades and decades and decades. Uh, because the issue, they just become though, they just different. become good
0: friends. Sorry that I interrupted you, but they just become good well, friends. Well, lesbian bed
1: death is what you're bringing up. And this is one of the the dead ends unfortunately with lesbian sexual relationships is because women, whether they're lesbian or not, they still desire and and crave the feeling of desire from their partner. Mm. Lesbian women don't tend to feel desirous of other women. They want to be desired by the other. (laughs) So it's almost like taking two negative poles and trying to hold them together, or two positive poles on the other side to hold them together electrically. They just don't stay. And this is why it's biologically much more successful for the male and the female heterosexual couple to partner for a long time, because the poles tend to, to point towards one another.
0: How then did we end up where we are? Um, I almost wanted to say it's a Christian thing, but if one looks at the Bible, uh, I mean, the characters in the Bible had loads of wives. Jesus himself didn't even have a wife. And I'm trying to figure out how this polygamous Christianity vibe that we see today came about.
1: Well, I think there's a natural inclination biologically to pull men towards multiple women and for women to stay with one man. And it's in conflict. This is a biological conflict, I mean. It's in conflict with the societal desire and need for stable male-female parental coupling. In other words, there is an inherent um, competition of force between what the biological drive is and what the social drive is. And you could coincide and parallel the social drive with the religious, because most religions support healthy societies. And they do that by dictating certain laws and mandates and limits on individual behavior. And the reason for that is on a practical level to help build up healthier societies. So you could argue that religion and its prohibition against polygamy was there. And was initiated to help strengthen the family units, which build up societies. Because if you don't have strong family units, you have men just moving around to different women. You never mm. really have a, a, a developed, a stable society unless, unless you institute a social polygamous structure. Mormons. And that's a whole different way to go,
0: like Mormons or or Islam, actually.
1: Yes, Islam is the only polygamous religion that still exists. Um, the Mormons outlawed polygamy in the late 1800s. Oh, so it okay. is no longer part of uh, no longer part of their religion. Muslims are the only society that still have socially and legally approved polygamy. And then this gets, of course, to the question of, well, OK, you know, you make a good point about the differences between male and female sexual nature and how there's a bit of a kind of inherent conflict between the needs of women and the needs of men that can then be contained and pacified and structured under a a religious umbrella. And it could be a social umbrella too. However, most of those social constructs have failed to contain and to resolve that tension. Look at the Northern European countries, for example, that are highly secular, Sweden, Sweden, Finland, Norway, Denmark. The level of of marriage, the, the rate of marriage is dropping, like like a like an iron weight. Uh, the number of children that is being born is is nearing a record low. Uh, women and men, because they don't have that religious pressure to marry and to stay married, the men just sleep with as many women as they can, and the women just conform to a social norm, which is just keep enjoying yourself sexually like the men, and that's gonna make you happy. And of course it makes them depressed and miserable, and they don't get married and have children. And the men ultimately don't really get much out of it either because they don't end up having a role to play in society outside of work. So I think it's, it's, it's difficult to argue when you look at the facts on the ground that the more secular a country gets, the more you know opposed to religion it gets, the more polygamy becomes accepted as part of the social structure but it doesn't really aid the propagation of the society because you end up having mm. really no families and no children so it's a, basically polygamy at a, at a societal level is kind of a dead end unless it's taken into under the put into the under the context of a religious umbrella where uh as they do in islam they uh enforce financial obligations on the men who take on additional wives and so in a way the polygamy in islam is very different than the polygamy that you see in western societies it's not a free-for-all at all in fact the men have more obligations you can you really have to be rich to be a successful polygamist in most muslim countries because you have to pay especially in say saudi arabia a fixed amount of money maintain a home and servants for every wife that you have and you can Mm -hmm. only have a second or a third wife after there's been a period of proof that you've been able to maintain the standard of living of wife number one and then number two and then number three, it's not really meant as a sexual free for all. It's really meant as a, a way for one man to supervise and maintain the, the, the livelihood and the children and the families of multiple women. So it's, it's very different than this idea of just um, having sex with lots of people.
0: Yeah, but it's, I mean, one, one woman is enough.
1: Absolutely, especially if you have to honor and uh, fulfill all the obligations to take care of her. And this is the big con, you know, people, men say they'd love to have a polygamous lifestyle or or be in a polygamous relationship, even if it's not, you know, marriage related. Well, of course they would on paper, because then they get to have sex with all the women that they want. And the women, of course, get to have sex with all the men they want. But most of those women don't want to have sex with other men, Mm. so they just stay home alone until their husband comes back from the second, third or fourth girlfriend. The problem, though, is that the men don't really need to maintain the obligations, fulfill the obligations and maintain the needs of all these women that they're with. What they really want is just to have sex with as many women as they can. And then eventually, if the women are smart and sharp and they start to stand up and say, wait a minute, what am I getting out of this? That's when the friction starts because then they start making time and financial and emotional demands on the man. And you're right, one man cannot satisfy the financial, emotional, and time demands of multiple women over a long period of time. It just simply isn't possible.
0: So the nuclear family really only applies to one man and one woman.
1: That's right. Every other uh, permutation of that is a dead end. You cannot have a homosexual family. You can in one generation, sure, but you, a, a man and a woman are required to have a child. So even having, you know, ch- raising children by homosexual couples is, is, is not exactly. Um, it's not a reproducible, uh, long-term solution because those, that couple did not have that child, they could have adopted the child. They could have had a sperm donor, an egg donor, mm. um, which is fine as a, as a, as a, a temporary substitute. But it's not a it's not a, a path that will lead towards a stable society in the long term. If everyone was homosexual or in a homosexual relationship, we would be the end of the line by, you know, by definition. So the only option for long term society to succeed and thrive in is a male female relationship. And, and the male could still be gay. I'm not even criticizing the orientation. There's a lot of homosexual men who are married to heterosexual women and they have families and children. So it has nothing to do with me being for or, or, or against uh, homosexuality. I'm just speaking about the the social underpin, the biological underpinnings of the social success of the the biological man and the biological woman developing and defining the core unit of society as the family unit.
0: All right. So wait, are you suggesting, Mark, that a monogamous relationship? Uh, has potentially better civilization outcomes than, than polyg- polygamous relationships?
1: I think history shows that it's really the only one that can have a long-term positive outcome, with the exception, as I said, of the kind of distorted, not distorted isn't the right word, but the highly controlled and, and, and vertically structured polygamous society that you see in Islam. But that would never be acceptable here in the U.S. because of the imbalance of freedoms. But if you, if you want to have a society that succeeds that is based upon, largely speaking, the, the, the Western European model of individual rights and liberties and either democracy or republic, I don't really see how those values and those social standards and laws can coexist with a polygamous society. I, I, I just don't think it's possible for that to work. Not, not in any large scale way.
0: Yeah, just to clarify my earlier point about the nuclear family, um, a nuclear family would, would also not be one man and five wives.
1: No, no it would not. It would be one man and one wife and one mm-hmm. woman uh, with a linear succession of, of children, of progeny the, the polygamous life was tried, it was tried, as you said, by the, the Mormons, uh, for a number of years in the 1800s. And it ultimately uh, turned out to be a failure. I, I don't know if it was an internal failure within their society as much as it was a conflict between the values of the country, the nation, and their society, they would do it on this on the sly, <laughs> they would have these um, non public non formal marriages, with their different wives, and they would live together and call themselves sisters. They were li- they were living a polygamous life, but it was not uh, honored or approved of by the the government, by the states, and and by the by the nation as a whole. And ultimately, I think the conflict became too great, and so they had to formally abolish that. And now. Uh, even within the church, it's no longer considered acceptable in the Mormon religion to have uh, multiple wives. Uh, certainly not to have multiple girlfriends, because that would have violated their their basic precepts that every woman you sleep with has to be, you know, your wife.
0: So polygamy is essentially about appealing to a fantasy, essentially, more than a reality.
1: I think that's a good summary. I think polygamy is, is, is a practice of appealing to a fantasy specifically of men, because men don't largely want to accept the reality that there's a price to be paid for being married to one woman and having successive short-term monogamous relationships with women over a number of years. Men on some level understand that when you have multiple sexual options, your sexual needs are satisfied, which is very appealing. And that at the same time, to be with one woman over a lifetime for most men is the best way to generate a stable family and to raise children that will allow them to be good, successful and and well-respected fathers. And that those two paths both require the loss of the benefits of the other. (laughs) And, and men, like all humans, like all people, they want both. They want both. And so polygamy is a fantasied solution to that inherent conflict, and that's why they pursue it. And that's also why, as I said earlier, that's why it isn't really discussed in the context of women, because women don't have the fantasy of solving the so-called problem of being married by having multiple husbands, because to them it's not a problem to have one husband. Women are delighted to have one husband, which again gets me back to this very important point that if you are married, if you are a wife or you want to be a wife and you don't consciously acknowledge that the man who is committing to you, if he's going to be married to you, he is actually giving up a huge, a huge. he's paying a huge price in giving up other women to be with you. And, and that is that is something that, If you acknowledge and you respect and honor you will increase the odds of having a successful relationship with him and if you deny it you are just sowing the seeds of a broken relationship and a divorce later on
0: yeah it also seems to me mark that um you can't invest as much into multiple partners as you can in one i don't mean financially i mean sort of intellectually Mm -hmm love etc i mean the longer you know i am with my wife the more i love my wife if that makes sense um, and i can't imagine splitting up that time with other women
1: i think that this is something that a lot of men either never realize or they they don't consciously think about it but it's a very important benefit that men can receive by staying with one woman now not all men can appreciate this or value this as much as they enjoy the sexual gratification of having other women. And that's why often men just choose the latter. But for men who are able to both recognize and appreciate and honor the possibility of growth with one woman over a number of years, that can actually benefit them. I I heard a man say recently, who is a coach for Tony Robbins for a number of years, that he chooses the women that he's with, not based on love, but based on whether or not that relationship has, is, and is likely to, in the future, continue to allow him to grow. And a relationship that allows you as a man to grow will inherently... bring in and sustain and develop energy, passion, confidence, and and probably sexual desire as well for the woman. A relationship that does not allow you to grow a relationship that, that stifles the man that crushes him is probably going to crush his sexual drive and desire for her too. I would even call it a libido drive, which is what Freud called it. It's not just about sexual gratification through genital stimulation and contact. It's about the the lust for life, the libidinous drive, which all people feel, but men feel it very viscerally, much more than women do. If you're with one woman that allows you to grow and develop that libido for life in general, then you will likely, in parallel, grow and develop the relationship with her emotionally. It'll become a reciprocal growth process. And that's not something that you can get in a short-term relationship, certainly not in a relationship that only lasts for one night. All you get from that is the gratification of the sex. And of course, the experience of being with a different person. But there's a finite um, endpoint, there's a limit on what type of growth you can achieve when you're with someone for a short period of time. Yeah,
0: something I've also realized, um, as I've got older is that getting into a rut uh, is is extremely dangerous, and it's one of those things that can lead to uh, boredom and all kinds of things. And it takes both people. If you're in a monogamous relationship, it takes both people to have the mindset of, "No, we're not going to allow a rut."
1: I think that's uh, one of the reasons why so many relationships fail that are otherwise good. Not bad people. Not that they got they married the wrong person they weren't the right fit i mean good relationships where you did everything right you're attracted to one another you're both respectful you desire one another uh, and your time together you're able to grow and develop but still you fall into a rut why does that happen i think that there's a few reasons and causes for that one of them is routine and taking things for granted that happens when you're in a routine that's very easy to do when you're alone as well but certainly when you're with someone else When your life becomes routinized and things just happen automatically, then spontaneity dies. And spontaneity is what sparks curiosity. And when your curiosity dies, now you get into a rut immediately. That's that's probably factor number one. The the other that I, I see very frequently with couples who get into ruts is that they lose the dynamism of the male-female binary or bipolarized energy. So the man becomes more feminized and the woman becomes more masculinized. And that has nothing to do with the spontaneity and curiosity. That's a totally separate issue, but it's equally powerful. The man needs to always, every day of his relationship, foster this idea and spirit and act it out in his words and actions that he is the man, that he is masculine, that he is in control and in charge, and to express that energy towards his wife in a dominant, and not domineering, but a dominant way. And she needs to constantly maintain the receptivity in her femininity to take him as the dominant partner in the relationship, which will then enlarge, expand and activate her femininity which will then make her feel more desirous of him and his masculinity, and then he will then feel more desirous of her and her femininity. That will maintain the bipolarity, the dichotomy of the core male-female nature, the difference of their natures, which will then help prevent them, as long as they're still staying spontaneous and curious in their in their day-to-day lives with one another and with themselves, it will help to maintain that core spark uh, and that core, uh, visceral sensual sexual energy uh that they both need that's the second area that i think most men and women in relationships wind up falling down on and and forgetting
0: can a polygamous relationship save or enhance a family
1: i think that the advantage of the polygamy is primarily in the opportunity for a man to take multiple facets of a potential person, a woman, and split them out into different women and explore the fantasies that he has of different women, so to speak, in multiple women. And I'm I'm mentioning this because I think that if you're able to consolidate all of your fantasies that you have with these multiple archetypal women into the one woman that you're with, then you don't need to explore multiple bodies. If you are able to role play, if you're able to be creative to communicate with one another, what in that day and that month, or perhaps your whole life, you had the desire to act out as a relational sexual fantasy, a role, a role play, and both partners are able to participate in it fully, then I don't think that you have the desire to seek out the other. You know, the grass is always greener kind of desire. If you're with a brunette and you always wanted to have sex with a blonde, then you can get her a wig. <laughs> and now you can have sex with the blonde women, but she's still your wife, right? That's an obvious physical example, but can also be relational. It can be, maybe your wife is very, um, uh, warm and caring and giving. And, and you love that. It's it's what you, what you married her for. But you kind of want a bitch too every now and then. And you want a woman that you can spank and a woman that you can chastise. And you can throw her down on the bed and you can punish her for being a bad girl. Well, if you tell her that, she can play that role. And then you can take her sexually and physically. And she'll love it. And you'll love it. And you don't have to go and find the bad girl at the bar that you can do bad things with. You can do it with your wife. So... I think that even though theoretically, the polygamy could help, the polygamous relationship could help to solidify and support and strengthen a family because the man then gets all these other needs fulfilled. He doesn't feel the need to go and be duplicitous and dishonest. I believe that you can probably get most, if not all of those needs fulfilled with one person. In most cases, if the relationship is solid and strong, they're both open to it. And then you can build that stability that trust and that exploration and that growth with only one person and so you don't need to create the sort of fantasy artificially generated stability of the polygamous uh, relationship because the price and cost of that as we were saying earlier is huge i mean the man might feel more sexually stable there might be you know more legs on the stool to keep the the whole unit intact because you're not all relying on one or the other but the price to be paid is more time more emotion more money and then of course the inherent jealousy that occurs in all polygamous relationships between women and men men can develop jealousy too so it's not just male but inherently women who are in polygamous relationships almost always wind up feeling some form of jealousy when there are multiple women involved it's very hard to stifle that again with men too but with women it's really strong and even women who say that they want the polygamy they often then decide that the the modest improvement in their sexual explorations that they get with multiple men is dwarfed by the the rising volcano of erupting jealousy that they feel towards all the other women that they know their husband is sleeping with
0: Mm. i think there is a strong correlation with the modern society mark um in the sense that the more feminists there are the more desire there is for men not to want multiple women because can you imagine? Can you imagine having four feminists with blue hair? <laughs> and, and, and you can't do anything without signing TNCs and, and a little contract of consent.
1: <laughs> the, 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 the amount of sex among the current high school, college, late 20s generation is lower than it's been in the last 30 years. It's far lower than it was in the 60s and 70s. And and the reason why it's so low is exactly what you pointed out to. The women are not attractive. They're not attractive physically. Their personalities are not attractive. They're 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 all buzzkills. They're all talk <laughs> blockers. All the college students, unless they're completely drunk and they finally give in to their actual urges and they drop all the pretense, all that they do is go out and attack men for being sexual. And that is not a very appealing quality in a woman. And men don't want to have anything to do with that. They'd rather go pay the hooker or the lap dancer. At least she's fun. They don't want to go out with women like this. And so all the women sit at home and complain about how mean the men are, and that they won't ask them out. And all the men sit at home and go, why don't we go to the strip bar again? At least we can have fun with uh, Jade. And yeah. then there's no coupling. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to side with uh, the free love movement of the 60s and 70s, but I think there is a consequence to disavowing the mm-hmm. natural desires of men to go after women and for women to encourage not the blue hair and the nose ring and the tats and the the boy haircut and all that nonsense but encouraging their actual feminine expression of 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 their core nature as women and when you when you take that away and you you impose feminism which is the antithesis of everything i just said now you really just kill off the the basic flow of life which is men chasing women and women loving to be chased
0: and great family planning is if she walks into the bedroom wearing a t-shirt that says "Black Lives Matter." <laughs> it's fine. I'll I'll be I'll I'll go find I'll go find a woman elsewhere.
1: <laughs> it's 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 actually a really good filtering device. Because you know who to avoid now. I mean, anytime you see a woman wearing a mask, that's immediately a no for me. Oh so, yeah. mm. And and I think for most. You know heterosexual strong feminine women seeing a man wearing a mask is also a big turn off so at least the the masked women and the masked men they can get together and they can sit and and complain about politics together and never have sex that's fine they can they can do that on their own uh, but all the non-mask wearers, the ones that are free they can go and 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 flirt and joke and touch and go have fun and they can have sex or they can go get married or they can date they can actually get their their healthy needs met because they're actually honoring their, their basic attractive qualities that are distinct as a man and as a woman, which is what's denied by all the people you just described.
0: There's something very beautiful, though, about what you're talking about. Um, it, it's something that you would think is normal, but the fact that we're talking about it in the year 2022 means that um, – it's becoming fringe. It's becoming an outlier position.
1: Yes, because we've forgotten after being yelled at and criticized and harassed uh, for the last 5, 10, 15, you can go back probably 20, 20 or 30 years, depending on how far you want to go back. Certainly in the last few years, it's become a fever pitch of of castigation and canceling and losing jobs and expulsion from school and uh, actual criminal charges arrests and, and jail and imprisonment for men to simply be men and and for women to be women there is a a woman i spoke with yesterday who's a therapist who said and she's venting with me about how awful she sees this whole attack on children the transgender activism attacks which are seeking to remove basic biological identities of boys and girls so that we can have androgynous adults and and kill off the family uh, along the way. And she said, you know, when I was in, in college in the 80s, I used in New York, she said, I used to go to drag queen shows with, with men uh, because they wanted to see the drag queens. And I would go, but she said, every time I went, I didn't find it to be very mature. I found it to be kind of um, adolescent. So it wasn't it wasn't something that was sophisticated. But more importantly, she said, I found it to be sad. I found it sad to see a man dressing up as a woman in order to amuse or titillate the men in the audience. There was something sad, something pathetic about that, something antagonistic to the life force. And it struck me when she said that, because that is exactly what we're seeing now, except it's exploded. It's a... It's a a hundred thousand times worse and more expanded. It's not just in a dive bar somewhere uh, in Chicago yeah. or New York. It's it's in our schools.
0: Why do women love men who dress up like women? Uh, you know, at at nightclubs or theater or whatever it might be. What is it about that? Do you think is so appealing?
1: Well, men lo- women love feminine, and I say feminine specifically, not not just men that are gay that are that want to sleep with men i mean effeminate gay men in general because they're safe because the feminine gay men they tend to express adoration and appreciation for the true female the woman not 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 the other gay men in the room but the woman which allows her to feel more and more feminine than she would around a a pussified heterosexual man And at the same time, she never has to deal with making a decision to accept or reject his expression of desire for her because the effeminate gay man's desire has nothing to do with sex. It has to do with appreciating her beauty. So she gets to have her cake and eat it too. Almost like we were saying earlier about polygamy is for the men, doesn't really benefit the women. Well, effeminate gay men don't really benefit heterosexual men. Heterosexual men really are not interested in hanging out with effeminate gay men. They don't generally mind gay men just because they're gay, but effeminate gay men, I'm not interested. You know, stay away from me. There's a there's an aversion to that in most heterosexual men. Not so with women, and I think for that reason, women more than men are attracted to these drag queens because I think that there's something about the idea of the epitome the caricature i would say in some ways the caricature of femininity on display that allows them to feel more naturally feminine it's almost like the gay man is is and in case of the drag queen they may not be gay although they usually are he's striving to represent the ultimate in what is female and women can sit there and say you know what i don't even have to do that because I am a woman intrinsically by nature. I don't need to be a caricature of a woman. So they feel a sense of of, of validation and appreciation, but without the sexual threat of actually being desired by a man with, for whom they, they, they may or may not want to, uh, to consort with. I think that's the reason why they respond to the drag queens.
0: To be fair though, um... I think that was a bit of a generalization. My wife, for example, certainly does not find that appealing. Uh, She would much rather see, uh, what's that actor's name? Uh, Not Zac Efron, the one who did Magic Mike. Uh, I
1: know who you mean. For women who have a very strong, intrinsic confidence in their femininity, and they've had the experience of being desired by men, and they have the assuredness to be able to to navigate the pool of desire where they can with 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 force and with assurance accept or reject in advance by a man. Those women don't need that kind of reflection in the drag shows. Channing tape. I think they just Channing Ta there you go. <laughs> He's an interesting character because he's physically very um, big and strong, but he plays this generally sort of bumbling, not so strong uh, guy who tends to win over the hearts of the woman by being uh, kind of clumsy and awkward and and kind of dumb. And I think that's a complete fiction. I, I think that in real life, women are not attracted to that type of character.
0: They want James Bond.
1: Exactly. At least the James Bond that occurred before the last one, when he turned yes. into a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they want, want Sean, James Connery. Sean Connery. They want Sean Connery, where if the girl acts out and she becomes a brat, he slaps them across the face. That's who they want because they they actually want a good a good slap across the face when they when they lose their mind. Now everybody's going to say, "Oh, he's he's supporting spousal abuse." No. I mean that in a metaphorical sense, although sometimes there does need to be some sort of physical, you know, corralling. But women need that containment. And the last James Bond, he sacrificed himself and essentially society to save a woman. But women actually don't want the man to do that. The women want, certainly, for him to protect the family when there's a threat. But when there's a greater threat to the society, to the world, when there's a war, The wife doesn't want the husband to stay home and wait for the invaders to come so he can protect her from them and let the country fall she wants him to go away to war to protect the larger society because that's his mission and if he doesn't come back she'll of course be horribly uh in grief from the loss but she will not resent him for having risked his life for the for the country because she knows that in his death he's then by force protecting her and that's ultimately what she wants to see. She wants to see that he's willing to protect her, but not at the sacrifice of society. She would rather him protect society and then have her included in that than have him run away with her and let everything fall apart. And that's what James Bond did at the last, the end of the last movie. He said, I'm not going to go save the world anymore. I've fallen in love with you. I'm going to give up my mission as an agent. I'm going to mm-hmm. fall on my own sword so that you don't become individually harmed. That was the the antithesis of what the core attraction is in James Bond. And that is now the new um, androgynous bond. It is the it is the the housewife bond, it is the baking cookies at home bond, it is the 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 feminized bond. It's a disaster. And it's what all the feminists want. But now they've they finally got it. They've got the James Bond that they always wanted. And guess what women are sitting there going, you know what, this doesn't turn me on. This does not this does not make me wet at all.
0: A can picture masculinity working in tandem with six wives.
1: that's That's a really interesting point. I think you have something there. I think that there is there maybe there's there's two different elements of masculinity that need to be distinguished. One is the the virility of the male, which is masculine just like the fertility of the woman is a feminine quality, but fertility doesn't mean sleeping with a lot of men. It means the capacity to bear many children. Virility is the the sexual prowess and the sexual power of the man, which could be expressed through having sex with a lot of women. However, to stay with one woman and to maintain her desire for him and to fulfill her sexual desire through ongoing passionate sex for decades and decades you could argue is actually a more masculine expression of that virility than for a man to go off and have short bouts of, of sexual intercourse with dozens and dozens of women because in the end it's easier it's easier for a man have sex with many women over time it doesn't require as much work and as much effort and as much courage as it does to actually not only stay with one woman and i'm not saying a man that is afraid to go and risk himself with other women afraid to be rejected so he stays with a mousy woman and they have a very weak sex life that's not what i mean i mean a man i'll put it this way that this may answer the question A, a woman a woman's greatest drive for maintaining the sexual desire of her male partner is to know that he could sleep with any woman he wants by snapping his fingers. And he chooses despite that, to sleep only with her. That is incredibly attractive it's to a it's woman,
0: par- very powerful.
1: It's, it's, it's probably one of the things that, that makes the women the most sexually uh enlivened and hungry the opposite is also true a woman who stays with a man who is staying with her only because he can't get any other woman has zero attraction to her absolutely none even though he could be a great guy in other ways so this is the this is the the challenge this is the um the conflict that women have to wrestle with in their heart they want the man to only want them they want that, and they want him to stay with her because they want that, uh, that monogamy. And yet, for them to stay attracted to him, they need other women to want him. And the only way another woman is going to want him is if he expresses on some level an acknowledgement and desire for the other women too. In other words, a homosexual man is not going to express that desire for other women, and most other women are probably not going to desire him. This is why it's so important for a woman who's with a man to not attack and degrade him for expressing desire for other women. And when I say expressing desire, I mean noticing sexy women. I mean maybe flirting on some level, depending on what your agreements are. I'm I'm not trying to prescribe something, but I'm just saying that. Not porn. Yeah, exactly. There's a, there's a, a way that you are not suppressing your sexual needs, but you're also not flaunting them. You're just being a man. Uh, a guy told me the other day that he and his wife have had this understanding for years and they have a great sex life. And when they get to a traffic light at night and his headlights show a woman walking in front of the car in a short skirt and beautiful legs and a nice ass, he turns to his wife because he's staring at the woman, he turns to his wife and he says, wow, this is why I believe in God. Now, most women would say, you asshole, and they get out of the car. I'm going to walk home. Fuck you. But his wife turns to him and smiles and, and is, is gratified because she knows that he desires these other women, these other. he recognizes and accepts his sexuality, but he doesn't go and chase the woman that walked in front of the car. He doesn't go and get her number. He goes home and then he has sex with his wife. She loves that.
0: But you know, Mark, you're making us sound
1: like dogs. We are. <laughs> 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 the difference between the difference between men is whether they accept that they're dogs or whether they pretend that they're pussies. And a dog that pretends he's a pussy is not a dog. He's just a weak dog. He's not. He, he's he's he doesn't become a cat because he says he is. And and I think it's also um, it's 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 not necess- It's not a necessary pejorative to say that men by their nature, have sexual desires and needs for multiple women. It's just the fact, it's just the way it is. It's not good or bad, it just is. And my view, and, and sort of making a macro point here, is that we've been, in the last few years, in a, a real war um, for and against reality. You mentioned the word fantasy earlier, the, the, the fantasy of polygamy. I think there is a, a, a segment of society that wants to live in reality, and a segment that does not, and wants to attack reality, whether it's boy versus girl, whether it's you know recycling and using batteries are actually gonna help the environment or whether they're gonna destroy them. And one side rejects the reality, the truth, and the other side just, just says, you know what, this is the way things are, we have to deal with it as it is, we're, we're not God. And playing God just gets us into trouble. So I think that the people who are, most likely to be happy in their life in general are those that can first and foremost accept reality and work from there. And so couples that are the most successful tend to be those who acknowledge and accept the reality that the man in the relationship is going to have sexual desires for a lot of women until the day he breathes his last breath, looking at the cleavage of the nurse in his hospital bed at age 94. And the ones that don't, the ones that reject that, they wind up pushing the man into sexual perversion, sexual suppression, sexual deviation, lying, dishonesty, all of the stuff that is not a healthy way to live. And so I don't think there's anything pejorative about just saying, you know what men love sex, they love sex with a lot of women and the ones that say that they don't are lying. Now let's just move on with it. It has nothing to do with you, Emily, Maria, and whether you're attractive or not, or whether he loves you or not. It's irrelevant. It's him, it's his nature. It's 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 who he is as a man. So now let's how do we deal with that in the relationship? without attacking him and criticizing him and pushing him to apologize and suppress so that we can have the best relationship that we can, given that we are not angels, we are humans. Mm. We are made in God's image, but we are human beings. We are, to some degree, animals with a higher spirit, but we are still animals and we we cannot transcend that until perhaps our death, until we ascend into another, another level of the kingdom.
0: I think another harsh reality is that if you had six wives, you are going to prefer one or two over the others. And that is just the way it is. You're, not, you're simply not going to get on with some of them as well as the others. And so you're going to have this weird kind of hierarchy. And they're going to notice. And it's not a terribly efficient
1: end result. If you ever saw the movie Raise the Red Lantern, beautiful movie from China about 20 years ago with Kong Li, this described the exact problem of a man who had, I think, three or four wives, and the story was about the last one, the third or the fourth one that showed up, and how the arrival of the new wife created all this tension, because he began to prefer the new wife to the to the previous wives, and all this jealousy and anger and acrimony, and, and dissension brewed. Because even though he ostensibly loved all equally, the symbol of his desire came through every night when the red lantern was hung in front of the room of the wife that he chose to sleep with that night. And all the wives knew because that lantern was out there. And when the lantern kept coming back to the same wife night after night, the others started to get really pissed off. (laughs) So this is a concretization of what you're describing. I mean, there's literally a lantern raised above the wife I like better tonight. But even if they're not doing it so overtly, there will be preferences, and there will be uh, differences in how one treats each wife. You can't treat all people equally; it's not possible. So, given that, you may you might not be successful in trying to alleviate those differences because they're just going to be inherent in any polygamous relationship. Soulmates, is that a thing? It's bullshit, and the reason why it's bullshit is 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 I would call this more of a a freeing rationale. It's not to attack the idea of the soulmate. It's to actually release you from the horror and the misery of necessarily leading a life of loneliness until death. If there was only one person out there, which is the concept of the soulmate, for each person the likelihood that we would meet that person in this world today is virtually nil and what that means is that unless divine providence has put each one of us together and i don't really believe that there's a divine intervention in bringing people together although it seems that way with certain people but certainly not in general then the likelihood that you're going to wind up with your soulmate is just it's so minimal that you're always going to be settling for somebody that's not going to actually meet the cut i think that the opposite view although it seems a bit threatening most of the things i've said today are going to feel very threatening to many people although i think they're grounded in truth and i'm always grounded in truth first i don't care if it makes people uncomfortable because i think part of our responsibility as humans is to confront truth even if it makes us uncomfortable it's one of my messages you know fighting through fear of all the books that i write are about fighting through fear i believe that there are probably many many people in the world that will make each of us incredibly happy and fulfill most of our needs. Not all. There's no one that will make all of our needs fulfilled, but most of our needs, certainly enough for us to be tremendously happy and content and fulfilled. And what that means then is that we don't have to find the soulmate. In fact, we, all of us, could be married to hundreds, if not thousands, tens of thousands of people and have an equally rich life, very different life, very different and unique life, but a very rich and fulfilled one. That should take the pressure off of people to think that they need to wait for the perfect person. First of all, there is no perfect person. That's mm-hmm. the first thing. And so if you look for that, you're never going to find you're going to be alone all your life. or miserable with a great person, which is even worse. Poor, 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 great person, because he's not perfect. <laughs> you're his enemy. <laughs> the enemy of the, of the good is the, is the search for the perfect. You don't want to be that enemy. So if you find somebody, any people, any person who is really great, but isn't perfect, you can then feel and and rest content Mm. that because you're not ever going to find a soulmate, all you need is to find someone that fulfills most of your needs and can make you happy. You're not always looking for the greener grass on the other side. You need to have standards. You need to know what it is that you need need to make to get to make yourself happy. But once you've got that, you don't then have to so-called settle for someone. You can receive that person as somebody who is absolutely good enough to to fulfill the, the bulk of your life needs. And then you can just, you can close the book and you can say, I'm done. I don't need to go find someone better. And also you can know that if you get divorced or the person dies, there will be someone else out there that will also do the same thing for you in a different way. So I think that to me is a much more empowering and liberating thought than, mm. than when, once you dig below the surface of the soulmate. I think that's, an, that's an to me, that's just incredibly depressing. And, and actually it's a horror movie. Can you imagine saying like, "There's a building with all of the riches and the food and 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 the, the oasis that you desire you can't get to it. right here," and 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 there's a key, there's and there's only one key that'll open it, and here's 20 million keys. Go find the right key. You have 50 years to do it. I mean that that's the, the definition of hell to me.
0: <laughs> Norman disagrees. He says uh, Tinder is where you can find your soulmate. <laughs>
1: That's a pretty good line, actually. <laughs> it's, 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 so, it's so darkly cynical, I find it amusing.
0: <laughs> On that note, Mark, uh, where can I follow your work in the information war?
1: DissidentMD.com. Everything, all roads lead to DissidentMD.com. That's where I have my substack, my Facebook, my Twitter, as well as links to my books. United States of Fear and Freedom from Fear. And also, uh, I don't think there's a link there, but if you want to go, if you're you're not a big reader and you just want to listen, like, you know, if you're a podcast listener, you can listen to me and Dr. Jeff Barkey on our podcast, uh, where all good podcasts are found uh, on any platform, which is called Informed Dissent. So the podcast is Informed Dissent, and then the website is uh, DissidentMD.
0: Mark McDonald, thank you for joining me in the trenches. <laughs> Thank you. My name is Jim. This is Jim Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. If you enjoyed this podcast, please visit supportgerm.com.